We turn our attention now to prayer, our focus for the morning. Our scripture is a very short passage from the Paul's letter to the church gathered in Rome from the 8th chapter, verses 26 through 28. I invite you to listen for the word of God. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. I love that. I love that phrase. The Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Friends, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come with the power of a great wind to clear out the cobwebs of our hearts, or come stealthily, as close as our own breathing, to whisper your truth into the silence of our lives. However you come, come with the power to change us, that we might truly become the body of Christ in the world. <clears throat> Amen. Our topic for the morning is prayer, a topic as deeply mysterious, as intensely personal, as vital a part of congregational life as anything we can consider. Gene McMahon recalls attending a church in Kentucky and watching an especially verbal and boisterous child being hurried out, slung under his irate father's arm. No one in the congregation so much as raised an eyebrow until the child cried out, captured everyone's attention by crying out in his charming southern accent, y'all pray for me now. <laughs> well, whether this child's prayer was answered is for you to speculate, but what do we mean when we say, God answered my prayer. If when we say that we mean we got what we prayed for, what about those times when we pray and we get no answer, or the answer is not what we wanted? The first church I served was in the Shenandoah, Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, and there were a number of farming families in the congregation, and I was often encouraged to pray for rain. But guess what? It didn't always rain when we prayed for it. In fact, sometimes we, when we didn't want it or need it, it poured. Mark Twain gives us a hint as to his feeling on the issue through the voice of Huck Finn. Miss Watson, she took me in the closet and prayed, but nothing come of it. She told me to pray every day, and whatever I asked for, I would get it. Said it said so right there in the Bible. But it weren't so. I tried it. Once I got a fish line, but no hooks. It weren't any good to me without hooks. I tried for the hooks three or four times, but somehow I couldn't make it work. By and by, one day, I asked Miss Watson to try for me, but she said I was a fool. 
She never told me why, and I couldn't make it out no way. I sat down one time back in the woods and had a long think about it. I says to myself, if a body can get anything they pray for, why don't Deacon Wynn get back the money he lost on pork? Why can't the widow get her back her silver snuff box that was stole? Why can't Miss Watson fatten up? No, says I to myself, there ain't nothing in it. There ain't nothing in it. George Buttrick writes, People have prayed for fine weather, and it has rained in torrents. People have prayed for health, and their sickness has become chronic. People have prayed for deliverance, and danger has only turned to imprisonment and wounds. People have prayed to live, and they have died. People have prayed that loved ones might be spared, and loved ones have perished even while the prayer was being offered. Why deny these facts? It is doubtful if people would ever fall sick and die if all prayers were answered. We're Presbyterians, and Reformed theology has always affirmed the omniscience, the omnipotence, all those fancy words, the freedom of God. We have always affirmed the mystery of God's being how God's ways are not our ways. And all this is fine and dandy theology, yet it is still difficult to understand the unanswered prayer of the husband who prays for his wife who dies, the parents who pray fervently that a sick child will be made well who is not, the illness and pain endured without relief, the son or daughter who rejects all overtures of love, it is easy at that time to lose faith in prayer, to become cynical about its power, to proclaim much like Job, my God, why do you hide your face? Or to conclude as did Huck Finn, there ain't nothing in it. Well, friends, if through prayer we always expect to get exactly what we pray for, then we must conclude like Huck Finn, there ain't nothing in it. We can't deny the facts, as Buttrick notes. And yet, Scripture exhorts us to pray. In fact, Scripture tells us to pray consistently, I mean persistently, consistently, to pray without ceasing. In fact, and, and truly we know deep down that prayer is more than simply sending a wish list up to God. It is something far deeper. Paul suggests as much in Romans when he writes that even when we do not know how to pray, the Spirit perceives the size of our hearts and intercedes on our behalf. Prayer has often been characterized as little more than a veiled attempt to gain control over one's life. And surely there is some truth in the assertion that the less control one has, the more inclined one is to pray. That's where that saying, those who don't believe in prayer have never been out to see, comes from. But surely there is more. Friends, sometimes our prayers are not answered, at least not after the manner of the petition. And yet, we can be sure, and this is the point at which, for me, prayer has the greatest power. 
Prayer changes the person who prays. Whether there is an external answer to prayer, there is an internal benefit on the part of the person praying. One of the things I was introduced to during my illness and subsequent chemotherapy was the whole world of mindfulness, of living in the moment. You know, it's, it's a shame sometimes that events such as illness trigger that move towards things such as this, of living in the moment. And I, I, I discovered a wealth of guided meditation exercises that have had a transformative effect in my life. And while these guided meditations are not specifically Christian, I have discovered them to be deeply spiritual and have contributed greatly to my sense of well-being and have opened an avenue to communion with God, which has been immensely rewarding. Indeed, I have discovered in my own life, when I neglect my prayer, devotion, meditation, solitude, time, and it is a discipline, it is easy to get out of the habit, but, and when I do so, when I allow the busyness of life to interfere with my time alone in communion with God, I become less patient, more irritable, more prone to judgment, little things frustrate me more. But when I tend to my prayer life, I am better able to handle the challenges of life, whatever they may be. Prayer cannot help but affect the person praying. Prayer was an integral part of the life of Jesus. Through prayer and communion with God, Jesus derived his power, his presence, his wisdom, his focus, his vision. Through time apart, Jesus was able to tap that inner source of power we know as the Spirit, that great gift of God. And it is this Spirit which empowered Jesus to live a life which is in and of itself a prayer to God, a living prayer, loving wastefully, empowering people to be truly human, sharing God's grace. Prayer for me is not about getting answers. It's not even really about asking, searching, and knocking, despite the acrostic I said. Prayer for me is all about community and focusing and preparing myself to live as a, my life as a living prayer after the manner of Jesus. I may do a poor job of it. I'm still a selfish human, human being who, in accordance with Paul's thought, does what I do not want to do and do not do the very thing I know I ought to do. But if through prayer we are able to forge bonds that run deep and true, not only through God's grace will be, we be transformed, but also transformed will be the very faith communities of which we are a part. You see, prayer and meditation and solitude lift our hearts and souls to sail above our stale and old way of living life with its worries and preoccupation with self-will and gratification. It frees us from the bondage of being consumed with ourselves and opens a pathway to experience peace with God, peace with ourselves peace with others. It transports us beyond our obsessive need to defend ourselves and lets Christ be our defender. It helps us release and surrender the second-by-second second need of controlling every minute of our life. 
prayer produces an intimacy with God, with the God of creation, and a, and a new way of living moment by moment in a kingdom far more breathtaking than anyone can imagine. I read somewhere, and I've shared this with you before, that early African converts to Christianity were earnest and regular in their private devotions. Each one reportedly had a separate spot in the thicket where he or she would pour out his or her heart to God. Over time, the paths to these places became well-worn. As a result, if one of these believers began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to the others they would kindly remind the negligent one, brother, sister, the grass grows on your path. Communion with God through prayer, meditation, and solitude brings peace and healing to a troubled mind. Swirling thoughts out of control, bouncing around in one's head, rob us of our joy. But Christ bids us to come and sit by the still waters and find rest for our souls. Christ proclaims, I am here waiting for you in my mercy and love. Christ invites you and me to center our hearts on Him and come into the silence of His presence, focusing only on the breath of life which God has breathed into each of us. As you quiet your thoughts, as you quiet your mind, your heart will receive the peace which passes all understanding. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. How worn is your path? Let's commit to making sure that the grass does not grow on our prayer paths and to gently encourage each other during both times of joy and times of stress to keep our prayer paths well-worn. There ain't nothing in it. Or is there? Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for the example of Jesus who taught us how to pray, not only in words, but by the living of his life. Let our lives be a living prayer through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.